1: welcome in everybody to the latest edition of inside boxing live episode number nine i'm your host dan canobio and we have a big one planned for you on this martin luther king day happy mlk day to all you people out there on our show today we have former wbo junior welterweight champion of the world chris Algieri calling in from sunny florida we have uh, brian campbell joining us and we also have funny man, comedian, Al Forn. You don't want to miss this interview with Al Forn. He does some of the best impressions of uh, major fighters. He does some Hollywood types. He even does a, uh, a very famous president. So you don't want to uh, miss uh, that interview. Of course, uh, you're watching here on, uh, on YouTube or if you're watching on the Pluto uh, TV app, channel 205, the Fight Channel. If you can't get to a TV or a computer to watch Inside Boxing Live, you can catch us, our podcast version of the show. It's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, it's on the Google Play app. I'm uh, probably forgetting some, but however you uh, ingest podcasts, we you can find Inside Boxing Live by simply searching CompuBox TV or Inside Boxing Live. We have a lot of big announcements uh, for 2018 in, in terms of uh, getting this show out to you, uh, the show for the fans Uh, inside boxing live so uh, we've had a little bit of a break on uh, on the show we've also had a little bit of break of boxing in the ring it's been about four weeks since the last major boxing card here in the states um, when uh, bj saunders disposed of david lemieux Um, but you know what there was still a lot of news and notes in boxing i mean the boxing schedule doesn't stop just because there's no fights doesn't mean that uh, fights aren't being made or being discussed uh, just recently. Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker, done deal, March 31st. Uh, We got Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, done deal, March 3rd. Uh, Triple G Canelo at the finish line. Uh, We will talk about all three of those fights with Brian Campbell coming up. Uh, Amir Khan signs uh, with a new promoter. Uh, Jeff Horn, ready to fight. He's ready. Jeff Horn's ready to fight uh, Terrence Crawford. And uh, we saw a little bit of some flirting, some online flirting, uh, not the kind that we've been seeing in the headlines, but Mayweather and McGregor uh, have been going at it, chirping back and forth. So a lot of uh, news and notes here, but it brings us to some action in the ring as we kick off Spence-Peterson fight week, as we kick off the 2018 schedule with uh, Errol Spence taking on Lamont Peterson, Chris Algieri, will join us in a little bit. He uh, was in the ring with Errol Spence, uh, and he knows just how tough Errol Spence is. So we'll get his thoughts on Errol Spence and this fight. We'll get Brian Campbell's thoughts as well. But here we are. We're, we're finally here. We made it through a, a very long break from boxing. Errol Spence, Lamont Peterson. Uh, it kicks off at the Barclays Center. I'll be ringside along with the Box team uh, doing our thing there for uh, Spence Peterson. It's going to be a great fight. You know, it's uh, it's a fight that I think is going to tell us a lot about Errol Spence. If Errol Spence disposes of Lamont Peterson inside of seven rounds, knocks him out, we're gonna say, you know, Errol Spence is for real. Everything that we've been saying for months now is is, is, is true, this, this dude's a killer. Uh, if for some reason he, he runs into some problems with, uh, with a Lamont Peterson and he goes to the, the scorecards and he looks less than stellar, maybe we pump the brakes a little bit on hyping up Errol Spence, but uh, everything we've seen from him so far is the guy is a stud. If you take a look at those uh, at his fighter profile: twenty-two and zero, nineteen KOs. He's got an eighty-six percent knockout uh, percentage. His last five fights, he's landed forty-six percent of his power. If you get close to that fifty percent range, you know you're going to win your fight. And he lands, and he's not just a power puncher. Uh, he has evidence by his seven point three jabs per round. But with this fight uh, coming uh, up here in two thousand eighteen, it got me thinking about. Some of the biggest fights you can make in boxing. People always ask me, "I'm out, I'm out," and uh, casual fans, uh, hardcore fans. What's the three biggest fights that you can make right now in boxing? And in my opinion, the three biggest fights that you can make right now is Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder, obviously for obvious reasons, heavyweight unification bout. Canelo Triple G two in the middleweight division, and in the welterweight division, the welterweight Super Bowl is Keith Thurman. Versus Errol Spence. Those are the three biggest fights that I think can possibly be made right now. And when you consider all of the contenders in each division, the supporting characters, if you may, it it led me to think about which of these divisions—the heavyweights, the middleweights, and the welterweights—which of these three divisions will shine the brightest. In 2018 so i went to a CompuBox twitter and i uh, drew up a little bit of a poll here and i was really surprised by the uh, results here 35 percent of our viewers out there inside boxing live viewers believe that the middleweight division will shine brightest in 2018 only by one percentage point over the welterweights it's a question that i'm going to ask cbs sports brian campbell when he comes up next but I think our fans here, with their, this line of thinking, with the middleweights, is because Triple G and Canelo are arguably in the top three of everyone's pound-for-pound pound list. So they went with, our fans went with a, a top-heavy approach, and it's a fight that's most likely going to get made out of the three of those that we just showed on the screen. But you look at the welterweight division, you got Keith Thurman at the, at the top. Obviously, he, he holds uh, two of the belts. And you got Errol Spence as the IBF champ, you have Danny Garcia, who was a, a, a reigning supreme for a while. Sean Porter, who is a very good contender and a fighter that's very deserved of some big title shots. And you got Terrence Crawford, looming. 140-pound king. Terrence Crawford, who many consider the best pound-for-pound fighter in the game right now, is in this division. Welterweight division is loaded. And the fight there that we can see in 2018 is obviously Keith Thurman versus Elder Spence. Middleweights. You got Triple G and Canelo. I mean, we don't have to talk about Triple G and Canelo. We know what Triple G and Canelo bring to the table. And it's a fight that's probably the most likely to be made in 2018. But then the the supporting characters in the middleweight division. B.J. Saunders. Stud. (laughs) WBO middleweight champion. Uh, one of the best interviews in the game, one of the best pure boxers in the game, Danny Jacobs. We all saw what Danny Jacobs did against Golovkin. Put up a very strong performance, a fighter that we're going to hear a lot from 2018. Jamal Charlo is a fighter that no one wants to see right now. The Charlo brothers are a movement in boxing, and he's looming at 160. And you got some of the other players at 160 as well. And then you move on to the heavyweights. Uh, the heavyweights, obviously is headlined by Anthony Joshua, who's the king right now. He's the face of boxing after his win over over Klitschko. Deontay Wilder is the American uh, champion, if you want to call it that. He's undefeated. We all know about Deontay Wilder. He's fighting Luis Ortiz. You got Joshua Wilder-Ortiz, Joseph Parker, Dillian White, Tyson Fury. You want to throw big baby Jarrell Miller in there as well? You can do that, too. So, it's it, you know, the, the boxing is in a great position right now for 2018. Uh, we're kicking off the year with Errol Spence versus Lamont Peterson. It gets the welterweight picture moving. Hopefully after that, uh, not hopefully, but in March, uh, in the ending out the first quarter here in 2018, we're going to see Anthony Joshua take on Joseph Parker, and we're going to see Wilder take on Ortiz. That will get the heavyweight division moving. Hopefully it gives us everything we want in uh, Joshua Wilder in late 2018. And, of course, the middleweight division is uh, right now being held hostage by Oscar De La Hoya and uh, uh, Golden White Promotions as they finally tried to uh, make this fight an- announced to Triple Gene Canelo 2. There was WBC tweeted something that the fight's official. you saw a lot of headlines that the fight's official, and then uh, Oscar De La Hoya got on uh, Twitter and said it's not done, but it's very, very close. So the three biggest divisions in boxing, heavyweights, welterweights, the middleweights are going to produce some big-time fights in 2018. And we started off this week uh, with Errol Spence and Lamont Peterson. But it's going to be a great show here on Inside Boxing Live. We got uh, Chris Algieri, Brian Campbell. We have comedian Al Forn. We have Twitter haters. you are not going to want to miss these tweets uh, this week. We have some really good tweets. In case you missed it, we'll get you caught up to speed. And uh, some really good um, stories coming from our Good Hook of the week more coming up here on inside boxing live here on inside boxing live our first guest of the show he is now he holds a distinct award here he's the three-time guest of inside boxing live he eclipsed heavyweight champion of the world deontay wilder he's the one and only cbs brian campbell brian how are you man Oh, I'm doing great. You know, I think I've been on the show in, like, three different forms, too. Like, audio, <laughs> visual, you know. Uh, uh, my soul's been all over the show. I'm ready for action. Let's do it. Here we go. Uh, oh, your award for being on for three times is you get a uh, Bob Canobio's original uh, copy box keypad. Oh, I love that. Love,
2: put me on the joysticks one
3: time,
1: Bobby. Bobby, see, all right? Let me send rings down here. He sold us a your resume. <laughs> behind seven different Canovio brothers, but that's fine. That's 100% right. You're 100% right. Uh, Now let's get get right into it. Uh, In the open of the show, we talked about some of the biggest fights you can make in 2018 and their fights in the welterweight division with uh, Spence and Thurman. We talked about the middleweight division, obviously Canelo, Triple G, and the heavyweights with Wilder and Joshua. Which division do you think, Brian Campbell, with all that information I just gave you, will shine the brightest in 2018? Oh, certainly the the heavyweights will from a, you know,
2: come-and-see-me standpoint, and we need that in the sport. We need the heavyweight division to be, you know, the the entrance point, the gateway drug to get people back into the sport at a level they deserve. Obviously, the talent level in the heavyweight division isn't comparable to welterweight. It's not comparable to the other great heavyweight eras, but we got hungry guys that can make exciting fights and man is there a bunch of deserved buzz right now and we're going to see two big matchups this spring and you know not just two good matchups but two good matchups that are going to set the stage for you know like this mini tournament and the final that we all want to see of this mini tournament potentially in what in Wilder and Joshua so that's a division that really you got to get behind right now and really keep hoping everybody weighs in on time no one you know, fails a drug test no one eats any tainted meat, Dan. You know, that, maybe they should get the master boxer Chris Algieri in there as a nutritionist. You know, but I'm just saying, we got to keep this sport moving and get this heavyweight division out in front.
1: Chris Algieri will be joining uh, Inside Boxing Live later on in the program. Funny you bring that up, but you're right. Um, the the heavyweight division it, it's it's alive right now. We have this final four. Uh, I'll ask you about a fight that that came out of this weekend, uh, two fights that came out uh, announced this weekend. We'll start with Anthony Joshua. And uh, Joseph Parker, a lot of people will tell you right away, Joseph Parker, durable, good chin, going to give uh, Joshua a really good test. How do you see this one playing out? It's interesting. I, you know, I I'd certainly favor Joshua,
2: but at the same time, the best part about this division is that we don't really know who's for real. We don't know if anyone's for real, and I think Joshua is at the head of that class. You know, We saw him get up off the deck against Klitschko, and he showed vulnerability just as much as he showed courage. And, I think that this is the right fight for him right now. You want to see titles unified. You want to see two unbeaten guys with glossy records get in there and essentially slug it out. I think Joshua has more skills than Parker, and I think Parker doesn't always show you an ambition in the ring to be as great as he could be, but you'd hope in this fight he'll bring that out. And I certainly think he can be trouble for Joshua until Joshua figures out, you know, does he have the chin and the stamina needed to reign this division for
1: five, ten years. We don't know yet. We're going to find that out. It's going to be fun finding. Yeah, it's going to be on March 31st. Uh, another fight in March in the heavyweight division is uh, Deontay Wilder. Luis Ortiz is going to try this once again. Uh, is this a fight you feel that the, the public is, is still very much behind? Uh,
2: yes and no. I think they they could be behind it once we get closer. And I think certainly when they watch it, I have a feeling, Dan, that this could be the, the real sleeper fight. This is going to be a knockout win for one of the two. And this fight may end up doing a lot to bang the drum for for whoever, you know, for the winner to, to maybe face the winner of Joshua Parker and to, and to really push the division forward. Uh, I think it's obviously tainted and stained a bit by... Us having to debate whether Ortiz should be in this spot. I mean, it's a legitimate debate. The WBC may have said, you know, we've washed our hands of it. You're innocent to us. You know, you. I mean, it comes down to uh, ultimately Ortiz not not disclosing uh, on the, you know, on the paperwork what what medication he was taking. The whole thing's a little bit sketchy. Have we seen sketchier in (laughs) boxing? For sure. Would I rather have this fight than not have it? Absolutely. So I guess I have to choose that latter and just realize that. Heck yeah, this is a good fight. I don't really know who's going to come out on top, and I love that, right? Like, those great versions we've seen of Luis Ortiz, is that a mirage? I mean, Deontay Wilder, when a real puncher backs him up and puts the fist to the chin, can he hold his ground? We, again, these are things we don't know. That's why the, w, the heavyweight division
1: is so fun. How old is Luis Ortiz? Well, you know, they say he's 38, but I guess you never really know, Dan. I know, I mean that's like the one mystery The guy's got a lot of mystery about him He didn't show up to the press conference I was at in New York City, he just talked on the phone You know, we don't know We don't know anything about Luis Ortiz, but we do know got 24 knockouts and 28 fights. Uh, I agree with you that this fight probably won't go the distance. And you, we have to give a little credit here to Deontay Wilder. He didn't have to take this fight. He could have taken a, you know, a lesser opponent. But he wants to, to set up that Joshua fight. And he knows the best way to shut up the critics is to uh, go in there with a guy who can easily take him out. I, I agree. That's the, the underrated thing about Wilder that nobody's
2: talking about. That he was willing to go to Russia to fight Vivekin. That he was willing to do... Anything to change the, the narrative, which is, hey, don't look now. But while there's creeping into, like, Floyd Mayweather, 49, 50, and 0 territory before ever actually facing somebody, and he doesn't want to get there without doing so. So credit to him for almost being his own biggest critic and saying, I don't care about the drug tests. I don't care about the controversy. You show up on this night. You pass your test. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to prove how good I am. I want to be great. You have to love that. Like, I don't want to get too hyperbolic, Dan, but really, if we want to get this sport an infusion of health, obviously we know the heavyweight division can get us there, but we have the right players in place. These are guys who are big, strong, athletic, and they want to challenge themselves against each other. That's the best thing we can ask for after a decade worth of sitting there and seeing all these talented welterweights, which was boxing's de facto money division, and seeing so many of them unwilling to face each other because of stupid politics. I feel like we're getting away from that finally. And certainly in the heavyweights, there's less politics to get in the way. But it just feels really good to get back into
1: making this feel like it's a real sport again. No, Yo, you're right. And uh, I know, over the weekend, I was with some friends, and they're not the biggest boxing fans. But, you know, they asked me about Wilder Joshua. So that says everything a fight we want to see in 2018. A fight we will see to kick off 2018 this uh, this weekend here at the Barclays Center is uh, Errol Spence, Lamont Peterson. Uh, give us uh, your recap. What do you think uh, about Errol Spence? He's a guy that I'm really high on. And how do you think this fight's going to play out? Yeah, I'm right with you. I've been, you know
2: ahead of the game on Errol Spence and saying that, like, I don't care if he's only got, you know, X amount of fights. I think he might be a top, pound-for-pound, top-five guy right now. You know, I've been saying that the last few fights. Certainly he needs, a, you know, a couple more big wins to to do more than just what he did in that, in that breakthrough Kel Brook win last year. The problem is we never saw him again. We never saw him have a second fight in 2017 where he was able to build on that. But I think this is the right comeback fight, wherein this is almost a – unification bout, you know, Lamont Peterson had to give up his own WBA welterweight title just to get this fight, so a more talented welterweight, who on paper, you could give a better case to than Peterson, certainly, but he's a veteran, he's a guy who can fight a couple different styles, he's always tricky, so I do like what this fight represents to us, so, you know, honestly, all of us are going to fix bets to win, but it does represent a guy who's savvy enough that he can give him a challenge now the real problem is that peterson in the end just doesn't have the punching power to to say well if he's having an off night he still may be able to win that he's almost got to be perfect he's got to have the best performance of his entire career to hope that this goes the distance and he can just out veteran Spence. it's unlikely i would say on paper but at the same time very credible opponent for your first major televised bout of 2018 with a chance to showcase a guy who could be next, who could be in that conversation with Lomachenko and Crawford as, you know, the, the, the guy, the, the man in the sport.
1: You could do worse than this. I'm excited to see how Spence responds after this type of layoff. Yeah, you're right. It's a fight that we're going to learn a lot about Errol Spence. If he takes out Lamont Peterson inside six, seven rounds, we're going to say this guy's a killer. If he goes 12 and he, like, you know, ekes out a decision, you know, we're going to say we're going to have to pump the brakes a little bit on Errol Spence, but those are the type of fights you love, uh, especially from uh, guys that are on the rise, uh, sort of say. Uh, One more fight I want to ask you about. uh, We talked about the three uh, weight classes that I think will shine brightest in 2018. That's the middleweight division. Uh, Eric Gomez of Golden Boys says that the fight, uh, the negotiations are 98% done. Uh, What do you think is the 2% that is holding up uh, this rematch from being made? Uh, You know, probably a, just a couple extra
2: bucks. Like, when you come off a draw, you have both guys being able to say, uh, you know, you have Canelo being able to say, A, you didn't beat me, and B, I'm the bigger star, so I'm going to get the bigger cut of the pie once again, and certainly if you're Team and you can say, well, everyone knows we beat you, you just happened to get the draw. We deserve much more money this time around. I think there were concessions made for Team Golovkin the first time around just to get this fight out there, right? Just right. to finally get Gennady into this situation. I don't have fear that it will happen. It seems Gomez jumped the gun a bit in putting out there that said, you know, our side of the deal is done, you know, maybe to put pressure on Team Golovkin. We, still, You know, it's, it is relatively late in the game, right? Yeah. You know, inching closer to late January when this fight is, is May 5th, but not too late in the game. We've certainly seen Floyd you know, sign big money fights late in, later in the game than this. I don't have a lot of fear, Dan, that this is going to fall apart. This is the best fight for each of them. The fact that they we're this far in the negotiations, I think we're going to get to the finish line. If we weren't this far, then
1: maybe I could give you a couple of conspiracy theories on where Oscar might be going, but, but I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to myself, of course. Uh, one of the biggest fights you can make in boxing. And uh, I threw this out on Twitter. um Maybe they're, one of these last two points that they're, they're trying to come up with is getting the fight out of Las Vegas. Do you think that this fight can end up in Houston, Texas, or at Jerry World in Dallas in a stadium setting, or do you think, you know as most likely, the case is going to end up in Vegas? I hope it doesn't
2: end up in Vegas. It most likely always seems to be the case for Vegas because of the guaranteed money the promoters can get. It takes off a lot of that pressure. The ticket prices can be jacked up, all that good stuff. But this is a Super Bowl fight, dan not just for the critical importance of the sport, but obviously crossover-wise. The fight delivered on pay-per-view last year, where pay-per-view fights almost never deliver that type of action and intensity to the once-a-year crossover fans. So do I want the rematch to be a Cowboys stadium, Jerry World, ATT, whatever you call it? Of course I do. This fight belongs there. You know a fight didn't belong there, by the way?
1: versus Claudio. You know this <laughs> the fight did not belong there? Yeah. Canelo versus Liam
2: Smith. We all remember that night, right? Mm-hmm. This fight belongs there. Let's not do it in Vegas. Of course, I'd love it at Madison Square Garden, which was also in the running, but obviously they would have to offer the kind of money that would be astronomical to even make that arena a reality for this. Put it in there, fill up the dome, make this big Super Bowl event feel like a Super Bowl because, you know, this is, this is it. This is a, a marquee division, a middleweight, pound for pound credibility at stake, biggest star of
1: the sport at stake. This is everything you want. Let's not stuff it in another casino. Oh, 100% in agreement with you there. I, I can tell how excited you are to start off the 2018 boxing schedule, but this it's got to pale in comparison to how excited you must be for WWE 25th anniversary Monday Night Raw. Oh, come on! Now, now you're talking about my wheelhouse. This is right my fieldhouse right here, Dan. I'm fired up for this. We're getting all the legends back. We're gonna get Undertaker out of off ice. Come on! This is you. You gonna go? You're in New York City. Are you gonna be there? I just sent out. Uh, I had my uh, personal assistant Bob Canobio. He <laughs> sent out some text messages to, to some very important people uh, at the Barclays Center. I, I gotta go. I gotta. I want to mark out. Isn't that the proper word?
2: Well, if you want it, yes, that is a proper. Word, but if you really want to mark on, I think you want to be in the Manhattan Center that night because they're doing two venues at once, and it leads you to believe one venue will have the new class at the Barclays, but it's at the
1: Manhattan Center, the the, the site of the first episode of Raw, right? You know, 25 years ago, that I think you'll
2: find all the old timers. That's where you got
1: to be, Dan. I, I want to be there. I'm. I was a huge WWE fan uh, growing up. I wasn't always allowed to watch because of the Attitude Era. Uh, you know, it was a little risque. Uh, material on the usa network but now it's like my ne- my nephew's watching so I-, I gotta be there i know you're gonna be there right oh yeah well no i'm not actually gonna be there but because of the double uh, you know the double venues i cover this for a living I oh going to see what's happening at both venues at the same time so i'll be
2: from afar but you gotta love uncle bob canobio saying to you essentially let's not watch this fake action of violence but let's watch real action of violence <laughs> yeah So that's, how we yeah, that's d- parenting that's parenting right there
1: yeah, it was actually my mom was the one who did not allow me to watch Monday Night Raw. Well, back then
2: she was well served. All right, now it's a PG era.
1: We all can get involved. Yeah, when Val Venus came out, I think that was it. I think that was when the 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 uh, the, the channel had to be turned. <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing to have garbage men characters, but once you have an adult. Yeah, that changes the game a bit. All right, uh, Brian Campbell, enjoy uh, covering boxing, wrestling, MMA, doing everything you do. Uh, congratulations on being the first three time uh, guest appearance on Inside Boxing Live. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And, and, and when you talk to my, my good friend Chris Algeri, make sure
2: you bring up avocados. That guy is the, part of the next generation of fitness and, and, and healthy living. Mas- know, I, you know, I give him a master
1: Boxer, Master Chef, Championship Lifestyle, the guy's the best. Believe it. Great talking to you. All right, Brian. Thanks a lot, man. Brian Campbell, always a hoot. Uh, One of the best guys in boxing. Um, He delivers his insights on, uh, he thinks it's the heavyweight division that's going to reign supreme in 2018. And the biggest fight that can be made is Joshua Wilder. So I have to agree with him there. He's uh, amped up for Spence Peterson. I think that I agree with him there that uh, it's going to be a fight that we're going to learn a lot about uh, Errol Spence and, of course, WWE, Monday Night Raw. <laughs> if you don't follow Brian Campbell on Twitter at uh, B.C. Campbell, is it B.C. BC Campbell at uh, CBS or whatever his uh, Twitter is, on a Monday night, you will be flooded with, uh, with wrestling tweets, and he, he covers it all with a lot of enthusiasm. That's why we love him here on Inside Boxing Live. Special thanks to Brian Campbell boxing has been on a little bit of a hiatus over the last four weeks uh but that didn't stop a lot of news and notes from happening so we rounded them all up for this week's segment in case you missed it our first piece of information comes from uh, golden boys eric gomez who says that uh the triple g canelo negotiations are 98 percent done uh we just talked to brian campbell here on inside boxing live and he uh guessed that the final two percent is uh, money related as we all could guess um Eric Gomez and Golden Boy said that uh, it was uh, Triple. I'm sorry, it was Canelo that agreed to his side. So they're kind of putting the the pressure on uh, Gennady Golovkin. And everything we saw from their first negotiations is that Canelo tried to take the lion's share of the money. Uh, rightfully so, at the time he was the bigger star. Uh, a lot of concessions that Triple G had to give up uh, in this fight. So it's kind of a, a shrewd business move by Oscar De La Hoya and Eric Gomez saying that you know Canelo has signed his side. But the fans aren't dumb. Uh, the fans, are, boxing fans are very smart. They know that uh, uh, that this fight is going to be negotiated uh, very closely by Tom Loeffler and Triple G. A lot of uh, people thought that Triple G won the fight, me included. Uh, I think that Triple G has a lot more to bring to the negotiating table uh, this time around. But Eric Gomez says Triple G Canelo, 98% finalized. It's a fight that I would like to see somewhere other than Las Vegas, as me and Brian Campbell spoke about. Put it in Jerry World, put it in Madison Square Garden, put it in Houston, Texas. Just, you know, put this outside. 70,000 fans, price it the right way, Uh, do a a service to the boxing fans. Uh, Moving on here, and in case you missed it, Amir Khan signs a three-fight deal with Matchroom Boxing. This was kind of a shocker uh, when I saw this news. Of course, Amir Khan and Eddie Hearn uh, don't uh, exactly see eye-to-eye, or didn't see eye-to-eye, I should say. Over um, over the years, but they came together and it's a it's a deal that really makes sense for both parties Amir Khan wants to fight more in the UK. He uh, coming off as his appearance on a reality-based show Over in England that really uh, turned him into a star more of a household name So it's kind of a smart move uh, from Amir Khan the last time we saw Amir Khan he was laying flat on his back from a KO from Canelo Alvarez. I'm a big fan of Amir Khan's fights, uh, he's the most skilled fighter. No, but he's always in good fights. Uh, so what this deal does is it sets up the showdown with uh, with Brook that has been marinating for years now. Kel Brook at one fifty four, and Eddie Hearn actually said today that you know all the obstacles are out of the way. You know uh, Khan and Brooke should be happening hopefully late uh, two thousand eighteen, and we get that fight and. Uh, one thing from, from Amir Khan as he made the rounds talking about this deal is he doesn't want any tune-up fights. Uh, he's going to be fighting in April. We'll see who they, they put in front of him there, but he wants the big names. He's named nearly every welterweight in the division. There was a, a rumor about fighting Broner. That would be at 140, so I don't think that's going to happen. But you know he called out Pacquiao. He called out, obviously, Kell Brook, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, Errol Spence. You name him, You know Amir Khan's in that state, stage of his career where he wants the big names. Moving on here, in case you missed it, Tyson Fury. It wouldn't be a show if we didn't name uh, the big heavyweight. He uh, says he'll be back in the ring uh, in April. He uh, circled uh, April on the calendar for his grand uh, reemergence back into the heavyweight scene. And I think he'll be working with Frank Warren. I'm not sure if it's a multi-fight deal, but Frank Warren and him have come to, um, to, to work together. He had a big issue with the, the boxing license. Uh, Tyson Fury he had he got that out of the way he cleared that hurdle uh, He's got to lose some more weight. He's clearing those hurdles every day uh, We spoke with what his good friend BJ Saunders on our last episode of inside boxing live and, and BJ Saunders said this is for real This is a this is a real comeback, you know He sees them every day. They're working out at the MTK Global uh, Performance Center and they're putting in the work Tyson Fury put in the work so we can expect to see the big man Tyson Fury, and I just read an article before we uh, started this segment that uh, if he doesn't fight soon, the Ring magazine is going to strip him of the title. Uh, title he's held, apparently, since his fight with Klitschko, which was years ago. So uh, I'm expecting to see Tyson Fury, and I'm rooting for him. And we're going to get Tyson Fury on Inside Boxing Live uh, in the very uh, near future. Uh, next piece of information here is uh, Jeff Horn. In case you missed this, Jeff Horn has agreed to his terms. Uh, to fight Terrence Crawford April 21st, most likely going to be uh, on ESPN and it's most likely going to be in uh, coming from Las Vegas uh, there was a lot of uh, speculation on if Jeff Horn was going to take this fight if he was going to fight uh, Anthony Mundine which would be a huge fight in Australia Mundine took another fight so we can scratch that off the board so his leverage is kind of gone there and uh, so Bob Arum I knew he flew out to Atlanta to meet with Terrence Crawford the, the weekend of the national championship game uh terence crawford was on the sidelines there so uh, you know they're hammering this deal out i think they're going to come up with a deal it's a no-brainer in my eyes and it's a great fight for both fighters for a number of reasons terence crawford his first fight at 147 going up against a fighter that uh, a lot of people know because of that win quote-unquote win over pacquiao so i think this is a a a no-brainer of a fight april 21st a great date Uh, in the boxing calendar there's no college football there's no nfl march madness is over baseball just starting so i think that uh april 21st should terrence crawford move up to to 147 pounds and fight uh, jeff horn who agreed to it i think it would be a ratings bonanza and i also think it would be a very good fight between two tall rangy uh welterweights uh moving forward here adonis stevenson remember him uh, if you in case you missed it, Adonis Stevenson is a professional boxer. <laughs> and he uh, has been holding that 175-pound title hostage over the years. But uh, according to the WBC, he has been ordered to fight Badu Jack. And uh, their matchup is rumored uh, to be for March. And this is a fight that has gone, uh, not to the courts, but to the officials now. It's in the officials' hands at the WBC. They have to make a hammer out a deal with their promoters. But, you know, on paper uh this is a great fight adonis stevenson has we know hasn't been fighting the best quality opponents but badu jack is a guy that's in his mid 30s or early 30s wants to get his career moving came off of a very very good performance on the mayweather uh, mcgregor undercard when he disposed of nathan cleverly i thought he had one of the performances of the night so uh, i would love to see badu jack versus uh, adonis stevenson hopefully the winner of that uh, can can go up against some of these other 175-pound monsters over on HBO that I've been fighting. Dimitri Boval, of course, and uh, Sergey Kovalev, Sylvan Pereira, go down the list. Uh, finally here, in case you missed it, our um, the last bit of information here comes from the rumor mill. These are some fights that I've been seeing uh, on Twitter. I've been talking to people that I've talked to in the industry. Um, Jarrett Hurd versus Landy Lara, 154-pounders. Love it. I think that would be an outstanding fight. Um, the Charlo brother, not too happy. He, maybe he wants a shot at Lara, but I think that he's waiting in the wings for the winner of that one. Uh, we, last time we saw Jared Hurd, he was fighting at the Barclays Center. A very tough fight with Austin Trout. Last time you saw Landy Lara, a lot of people were leaving the Barclays Center during his fight. That fight was hideous, but I've always said you put uh, a, a good puncher and an action fighter like Jared Hurd in the ring with a slick boxer, like Lara, like just like Angulo and Lara fought, you're going to get an exciting fight. So, uh, don't think that that, that one's going to be a sleeper. Another fight, rumored, Danny Jacobs is fighting in April at the Barclays Center. His opponent is to be announced. It's probably not going to be uh, Billy Joe Saunders. It's not going to be Golovkin or Canelo. A fighter that has been brought up is the O'Sullivan guy uh, with the with the push broom mustache. We saw him on the... Uh, he was fighting on... He fights with Golden Boy. And that's a great fight. I mean, that's uh, that is uh, it's the it's the, maybe the second or third best option for Danny Jacobs. He's not going to get those big names, but you throw in this O'Sullivan character who looks like a guy that I see walking around Williamsburg, Brooklyn. He's got the push broom mustache. He's got the you know the, the suits to go along with it. Put that fight at Barclays Center, very close to Brooklyn. You market O'Sullivan to the Brooklyn crowd. I think it could be a hit. And uh, finally, in the heavyweight division, Jarrell Miller is rumored to go up against Kubrat Pulev, who uh, is a very good contender in the heavyweight division, ranked number two uh, in the IBF rankings. Uh, Jarrell Miller coming off of a little disappointing performance against uh, Watch, or Walk. Still haven't figured out how to set that one. But uh, Jarrell Miller rumored to fight uh, Kubrat Pulev, and I'm all over the place with with these names. But, uh... I want to see Jarrell Miller back in the ring. I want to see him improving because I do think that he'll be a, a player in the, in the heavyweight division. Uh, a lot of news and notes in the world of boxing. Of course, we keep you up to speed here. This has been In Case You Missed It. Our next guest on Inside Boxing Live. Uh, very excited for this one. Uh, I went on YouTube and I was uh, searching some impressions. I always love a good impression. And up came Alf Forin. Uh Check him out on Twitter at Impressionist Al. Al, thank you for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. No
3: problem. Great to join you,
1: Dad. Calling all the way in from Ireland. Uh, how's the weather over there, my man,
3: man? Oh, shocking. Absolutely terrible. Rain every day.
1: <laughs> oh, it's brutal. Uh, I mean, uh, like I said, I was, I was searching you out on, on YouTube, and one of the first videos that popped up was you on stage. Uh, with Floyd Mayweather, it looked like an like a very impromptu uh, a meeting there. How did that go down for you?
3: Yeah, it was. It was actually um, it was last March, um, about four or five months before the uh, the Mayweather McGregor fight. And um, obviously, you know, the the promoter of that show wanted me to go up on stage at the end of, uh, at the end of it with Floyd, and I'd be doing Conor McGregor impersonations and. Mike Tyson, so I, he wants me to go up on to Conor McGregor, so I kind of, uh, I think I, I, as soon as I started speaking like McGregor, his head kind of popped up thinking, oh shit, is
1: Conor McGregor actually here, and then for a split second he just saw a pudgy, a pudgy Irish lad walking up to the stage. I was amazing, because you saw a woman like, kind of like, uh, wave you on, and then you just went in, and it was, and Floyd was loving it.
3: He was, and that was the great thing about it. He was, he was loving it. I, I, I enjoyed doing the, um, the Tyson impression for him, the Mike Tyson one. I think he enjoyed that very much.
1: <laughs> now, uh, when did you your first start getting into impressions? Uh, when did Was it something that you felt like was uh, something that you were really good at? When did you start getting into impressions?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I started getting into it when I was uh, a young kid. I'd be um, impersonating like family members at parties and weddings and stuff like that Um, and and I kind of from from there on I I kind of I watched I watched a lot of movies a lot of films Uh, so I I would do impressions of Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and Al Pacino Um, and then that kind of the repertoire grew into into soccer in in England as well i do a lot of um, you know personalities from the the soccer world in, in the UK you know
1: What's the easiest one for you to do?
3: i oh, probably Robert De Niro, oh. but it's
1: much a well, Let's give us some De Niro, man.
3: Well, I, well, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, we're talking about Donald Trump here. I think he's an idiot. I think he's an ass. If
1: I ever see him, I'm gonna punch him right in the face. <laughs> he's a mutt. I'm gonna punch him right in the face. Right
3: square in the face. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm gonna do it. If I see him, I don't care if I get deported. <laughs>
1: See, I thought your easiest would be, would be McGregor, because you're from Ireland, you're, and uh, it, your McGregor is amazing.
3: Well, McGregor, see, McGregor lives down the road. Well, not really up the road. He lives, like, I'd say, 20 minutes away from, from where I am. Um, he lives in a, in a place called the, the Crumlin. So, well, McGregor is pretty much like that. I mean, he's speaking, he speaks how he speaks. He does what he does. He makes a lot of money out of doing what he does, so... Uh, <laughs> that's it. When you're the face of MMA, you can do whatever whatever you want. Can, can we swear on this broadcast, or is it? Yeah, let him fly, man. Ah,
1: here, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, mean, I, I will do
3: whatever whatever I want. That's it. Dana can give me a shout. I mean, but if I'm coming back to the UFC, I'm getting a I'm getting A split of, a bit of a take on that event. I'm not, I'm not getting a measly little five million again. It'll be 70 minutes. And profits, yeah? Loads of
1: profits on that. The laugh is everything. Now, Connor, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but us at CompuBox, we were ringside counting the punches. You landed 111 punches on Floyd Mayweather. That's more than Manny Pacquiao. It's more than Shane Mosley. It's more than uh, a lot of great fighters. Uh, Did you agree with the punch stats, Connor? Uh, It was great. Um,
3: Listen, it it was... I consider them booms, you know and I mean. I don't care about their history. I don't care about what, what they did in the boxing ring. No disrespecting them, but I land them more punches on, on on Floyd. So I feel, I feel if if, if me and Floyd were to do it again, um, uh, I feel I, I would come out the victor. I, I do. You, you do? can laugh all you want. <laughs> you know I I improve in every area. I'd li- I'd like to
1: see his little bitch ass go into the into the Oscar. <laughs> I don't. Why doesn't he come over to my world? I'll show him what it's all about. Oh my god, it's getting. For a second, I really thought I was talking to Conor McGregor. <laughs> now, you did that for, for Conor, right? Yes,
3: yeah. Yeah, I did. And he, do you know what he said to me? He goes, he I absolutely hate it. I don't like that impression one bit. But, but then he said, But the other ones are very good. I like the other impression.
1: I think he liked Mike Tyson, and uh, uh, you know you got to give us a Tyson. I know he's one of the like. I feel like every comedian that does impressions has a Mike Tyson. We had Tracy Morgan on this show; he did a very excellent one. So uh, Mike Tyson uh, walks in to a bar and he sees Conor McGregor in there. What do you think he's going to say to him? Well, I mean, you
3: know, you know, if I'm, if I'm walking into that bar and I see Conor McGregor sitting there at the bar, <laughs> If he said something rude to me, then of course I'm, I'm going to knock his motherfucking lights out. But, you know, if he's nice and if he's friendly like everyone else is with me, we'll have a conversation about boxing. We'll have a conversation about mixed martial arts. We'll have a great conversation. But, you know, if, if he starts saying loads of shit to me about, you know, this and that. You're past and You're finished, motherfucker. I, 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 I don't care, man. I'll hit, I'll hit him with, with my strong right. That's what I do. I don't give a shit.
1: Who do you think... Who do you think Trump, Donald Trump here in the States, he, uh, he makes headlines here in, in America. Who do you think Donald Trump's favorite fighter is today?
3: Well, you know what? I, I will give you my, my, my favorite fighter today. There's a lot of great fighters. There really is. There really is. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Floyd Mayweather. I'm a big fan. Now, Floyd is obviously retired. I'm, I'm a big fan of that Crawford guy. He is He's fantastic. Crawford really is a great, great fighter. He's got great (laughs) skin. Really, if if I wasn't president and I was promoting all of the big boxing events, I would have Crawford as the main bill because that guy is truly tremendous, a really great fighter.
1: And and Crawford's from Nebraska, home of uh, Warren Buffett, uh, fellow billionaire. I would like to see you and Warren Buffett square off one time.
3: Well, that would be great, that would be great, but you know what, Warren Buffett would beat me in a a billionaire off. I I have about $4 billion, Warren has about $64 billion, so he's got a lot more money than I do. And I would never ever say something like that, because I always think that I'm the the best billionaire, the richest billionaire, but Warren, you you don't mess with Warren Buffett, you don't mess with that guy.
1: Now Donald, are you going to throw in the towel on your presidency?
3: I'm not going to try and to tell you. you know what, what? a stupid question to ask me. <laughs> you know. The-
1: now we'll go back to al al um that was amazing those these are phenomenal uh what when you first started doing these impressions what's the one that like kind of uh really got you on the map and it figured out that you know i can kind of like make a career out of this um
3: I, I mean i suppose if destiny was Connor. the Connor impression really did and um, set the wheels in motion you know uh, I I I I did a gig maybe 7 years ago when I was I'm, I'm 26 now when I was 18 years old um I did it in my local kind of my local town um and I, I was in front of 150 people and I always thought you know well, hopefully I'll get somewhere with this you know but it did take time took a couple of years and now it's kind of you know it's it's I'm, I'm happy to call it it's, it's a full-time job now I I I gig I am um, and make videos, you know, for, for, for money, which is crazy.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's great, other than the job, you know, it's awesome. Uh, check him out on Twitter at Impressionist Al. Uh, for our listeners over there in uh, the beautiful country of Ireland, March 23rd, he'll be in Belfast. March 30th, he has another show March 31st in, in Limerick, and he uh, fo- uh opens it up or closes it out, I should say, April 14th. In uh, Dublin, I checked out a lot of your videos. I went down a very, uh, a very long pigeonhole of uh, your impressions, and I saw you had a video with Eddie Hearn, who's actually pretty decent at impressions. Eddie Hearn. He's a brilliant
3: impressionist, a great promoter too. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we had an impression duel, um, and Eddie does a great Chris Eubank impression. I also do do a decent one too. I don't think it's as good as Eddie's. but. Um, we were kind of speaking like Chris Eubank for, for the duration of the video. but We, we, were, we were very much speaking like this, <laughs> talking about the specifics of boxing <laughs> and, and, and how beneficial it is to the, to the mind. And that was a particular conversation that I had with Eddie Hearn. He is, he is an incredible individual, absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eddie, can you, can you do an Eddie Hearn? I feel like the British accent is something that a lot of Americans struggle with.
3: He's a real geezer like that. He, you know, he, he just speaks like that normally. You know? But Eddie's uh, and, and a lovely chap. He really is. He's, uh, first time meeting him now, he was, he was all game for it. Like he, no problem at all. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's come on this show before. I met him a bunch of times. Very charismatic guy. Very charming fella. He feel like he should not belong in yeah. boxing. Like he should be out, uh, you know, to doing like real estate or something.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he's promoting Katie Taylor now, and she's, you know, she's, um, she's that pride of boxing at the moment, Katie Taylor. You know, so hopefully she's, um, I think she's going to be having, I think she's had to she have a homecoming fight soon, soon enough in Ireland, which will be huge.
1: We're talking now with Al Fern, uh, unbelievable comedian and impersonator actually grew up very close to Floyd uh Floyd Mayweather to uh, Conor McGregor. When did like people start talking about Conor McGregor? Obviously when he got to the UFC, he was a star, but was there a lot of rumblings about him during his maybe his amateur career and early on in his career?
3: Yeah, there was um when he was fighting for Cage Warriors, um he won he won the lightweight belt. Uh I think it was the first the first of January 2013. Um and he became he was the featherweight champion too, I believe. And he became a two weight a two weight world champion in the Cage Warriors. Wow! And there was a lot of rumblings. I mean, Dana White was in Dublin for a while. Uh, there was a lot of rumors that I think that we think people thought Dana White was going to sign this Conor McGregor guy to the UFC. And then it was announced, I think, in April or March that he signed. Uh, and he he obviously went on. Um, he was on, Ar- on Ariel Helwani's show, and it was. You know, he really did, in terms of how he became big in Ireland, I think the launch pad for him really was uh, his, his the USC um, Dublin show in 2014 when he knocked out Diego Brando. Um, that was the big show for him,
1: you know? Right. And, uh, I mean, today he, he's a hero in, in, in Ireland, and uh, he's certainly made some waves here in, in the States. Yeah. I got one for you. Mark Wahlberg... Walks into the Warner Brothers studio and he pitches the fighter to the executives.
3: Alright, you gotta you got walk in there. I'm gonna walk right into the studio. We're gonna talk about this movie, Mickey Ward. What a really good boxer, okay? You gotta have Christian Bale. Christian Bale for the role of Dickie Eckman. He's a great fucking actor. You gotta do this. This is a movie that's gotta happen, okay? I'm a Bostonian. Mickey Ward's from Massachusetts, near enough to Boston, okay? You gotta do this Fucking movie Do it <laughs> Warner brother alright Fucking do it <laughs> He just
1: forces them Into making the movie He just That's what that, Wahlberg does That's what I do Alright I'm box office uh-huh.
3: I'm the whole, uh, whole Motherfucking chick That's what I am
1: <laughs> And I saw that you, you did your impression For Wahlberg And he seemed To be loving it too
3: Yeah he did actually Yeah That was That was my girlfriend Was screaming Across the way to him And uh, he came over And got his phone out And started filming me
1: but I don't think he, I don't think he put it on any of his social media oh. there, Is it? A, it must be a thrill for you when you get to do these impressions for the for the actual people, right? Oh, it's great! Yeah, it really is. Wow, what a what a career you've etched out for yourself, Al Foren. Before we let you go, Conor McGregor. Usually we have our we have our guests like give like a sign off like this is Conor McGregor and you've been watching Inside wait, Boxing wait, 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 Live. <laughs> Oh,
3: Floyd! Y'all, y'all, y'all didn't speak to that. Y'all, y'all don't speak to two, one of the greatest, greatest of all time. You know, <laughs> you all, you all need to, you need to give me some of that respect. Y'all know that. Y'all know that. that I demand that respect. You know, <laughs> I went in there with Conor McGregor. I, I beat his ass. I beat his ass for ten rounds, and I knocked that motherfucker out. And he's still making all that. You know, you know, McGregor's still saying this, still saying that. Floyd Money Mayweather. I'm, I'm the greatest boxer of all time. It's all about that money. I'm a billionaire now, man. I'm a
1: billionaire. <laughs> are, are you going to get in the ring with McGregor again?
3: Man, if if, 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 if you want to do it again, we do it again. We're we going to get the right numbers. We're going to do what we got to do. <laughs> Team up with the ring and we're going to do it. McGregor v. Mayweather number two. Let's
1: do that, motherfucker. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, you, you had to jump in with Floyd because he just wasn't being he wasn't being brought up. There was too much McGregor in this interview.
3: <laughs> There's too much McGregor in this interview. That's
1: it. <laughs> not enough McGregor. Gosh, I'm, not, I'm the face of the fight game for a reason. <laughs> Amazing stuff, my man Al Foren. Thank you so much for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live. I, I look forward to maybe meeting you one day in the in the states. Do you plan on traveling here, coming to some big fights?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was at the Mayweather-McGregor fight last August. It was uh, it was a brilliant experience. Um. Yeah,
1: I'd love to get over to, to another another boxing event. Was that- um, I was over I was
3: at UFC 205 last year as
1: well. Wow, was that your first time in Vegas?
3: My first time in Vegas, yeah. Crazy town. Absolutely <laughs> nuts.
1: Yeah, I was there for that fight too, and uh, your countrymen were there in full effect.
3: Oh my God, it was amazing,
1: wasn't it? It was it was special, man. It was really a special time. I liked the fight and a lot of people had their mixed emotions on it, but I thought it was a great thing. And uh, you know, it made it helped out a lot of people and uh, you got your, your Connor impression and your your uh your comedy career is taking off. Thank you very much, Al, for joining us at Inside Boxing Live and I hope to run into you ringside, man. Thank you, Dan. Alright, take care. Take care. Al Foreign Awesome. That was amazing. It was like a lot better than I expected. The guy can really bring it with the impressions. Uh, obviously, the McGregor one is is just phenomenal. On, I mean, I actually thought I was talking to Conor McGregor for a while. We could have, Nick, we could have like just played that off if it was McGregor and put it on YouTube. I mean, that's how good he was at the McGregor one. He said McGregor uh, lives about 20 minutes from him, uh, was a star for a very long time in Ireland. But uh, you got to love uh, these impressions here. Uh, inside Boxing Live, the Wahlbergs, the, the Neros, the Trump, the Trump was phenomenal. Uh, you got to check him out on uh, Instagram, on all social media, Impressionist Al, Al Forn, uh here on Inside Boxing Live. When I log on to Twitter.com, I want to see fighters talking smack. I want to see Tyson Fury doing a kissy face. Uh, most importantly, I want to be entertained. And uh, it was a very good week uh, for tweets so we rounded them all up in a segment uh, that we call Twitter hitters. Our first tweet comes from Floyd Money Mayweather. Uh, apparently, Floyd is a little late to the party. He, he decided to uh, take a screen grab of a headline that was from about three months ago when Conor McGregor allegedly punched a member of the Irish cartel. There was a rumor that he had like a bounty on his head. Of course, Floyd, three months late to the to the party. He uh he tweets him, quote tweets him, and writes, I already effed you up in 2017. Now they, the cartel, are about to f you up in 2018. You're about to start your new year off with a bang. Emojis, coffin emojis, bomb emojis, hammer, axe, knife. <laughs> I mean, anytime Floyd Mayweather does anything on social media, it is calculated. It's a very calculated move. Uh, by Floyd Mayweather and uh, I know that we have Conor McGregor's response I know we waited for this I am the cartel very clever uh, from Conor McGregor like I said every we all know what Floyd Mayweather when he does something on social media is that it, it's calculated if you go to his Instagram it's like 40 Instagram posts of his strip club he spams your timeline with his strip club he posts something about Conor McGregor it's not on an accident it's because you know maybe they want to fight again he's testing the public Seeing how we respond, they then he has his guy go in there and read him. I know that Mayweather does not handle his own Twitter. I was in a, in the locker room with Floyd Mayweather after his fight with Miguel Cotto, and I went up to Floyd and I said, "Yo, how come you never you never retweet me, man?" And he goes, "Well, I don't handle my tweets." And there was a guy in the corner who, on a table. He had like ten phones, <laughs> and he was like working all of them. So it's 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 like a it's like a business move when Floyd on, on social media. But we move on here with Twitter haters. Conor McGregor talking smack. And he's talking it to the uh, Showtime uh, head of sports there at Showtime, uh, Stephen Espinosa. Uh, this was a very interesting tweet uh, from Conor McGregor. Uh, there it is. Uh, I think Espinosa was talking about the there was a little beef between the UFC and Showtime where Dana White claims that Showtime undersold or didn't put out the full amount of pay-per-view numbers. And it's got to be the first time ever that a network put out a lower number rather than a bigger number. So Espinosa's probably uh, went on Twitter to kind of, you know, clear the air. Sounds like Dana White is upset because we committed the cardinal sin of telling the truth uh, when we released the accurate number for North American pay-per-view buys. I think it was like 4.4. Dana White was claiming 6.4. That's when McGregor uh, got wind of it. And he said, shut your weasel mouth. I wish I can do the the imp- impression, but shut your weasel mouth! Who gives an f about North American numbers when we are the global kings, you schmuck? <laughs> we're the worldwide number one, and uh, if you were living under a rock during the McGregor Mayweather uh, press conferences, is that uh, Stephen Espinosa became a very focal point of it. Uh, once he, it was McGregor claimed that his mic was shut off on, during the first leg of the tour, and he blamed Showtime. He blamed. Uh, espinosa called him a weasel and i think espinosa handled it great i mean he kind of you know played into it and he he realized that he was now part of the promotion it's all it's all for business i mean he's not getting offended by anything conor mcgregor says but it's always fun to to see uh, mcgregor go off on uh, mad online twitter.com uh wouldn't be a uh, twitter hitter segment without the big man tyson fury and uh i wanted to put this up this one up for a number of reasons i think it's hilarious uh, that Tyson Fury thinks that's how you spell two of the most legendary boxers' names, but, uh, I keep saying I want to fight Anthony Joshua in my first fight back. Ray Lenard, L-E-N-N-A-R-D, had one fight in five years, then he came back and beat Marvin Haglar, H-A-G-L-A-R, so it can be done. Uh, hilarious tweet from, uh, Tyson uh, Fury. wants Anthony Joshua. He's not going to get him in his first fight back, obviously, because Anthony Joshua is fighting Joseph Parker. Expect to see Tyson Fury back in the ring April uh, 21st. Expect to see more fire tweets uh, from the big man as we get closer and closer to the return of the Gypsy King. Moving along here is uh, we got a tweet from the Charlo brothers. Jamel Charlo, at Twin Charlo. One of the better uh, follows on Twitter. He woke up with a plan on January 5th at 5.57 a.m. and said, uh, since Hurd and Lara are beefed up, uh, Jared Hurd and Arizona Lara are scheduled or rumored to fight, he said, let them fight, and the winner gets me after I destroy a 147-pounder who got a blessing from Kodo. And he's referring to Saddam Ali. Only one champion who you got winning. So Jamel Charlo wants to fight Saddam Ali, and then the winner of that goes on to face the winner of of, Lur, of uh, Lurd of uh, <laughs> Herd versus Lara. That's a good fight. That's a little tournament. Politics might get in the way, as we know. Charlo, Heard, Lara all fight on Showtime. Uh, you got um, Sadam Ali fights on Golden Boy, which is on HBO. So maybe someone replied and told him that uh, the politics of boxing will prevent that. But maybe 2018 you will see a cooling of that, and we'll see more good fights especially in a very loaded 154-pound division. Our next tweet doesn't come from a fighter. It comes from a media member. Uh, Brandon Stubbs is a very interesting follow on Twitter. He says, What is the most annoying phrase in boxing and MMA today? His is easy. Whenever anyone says, For the right money, I'll fight blank. And there are so many uh, cliches in boxing, and so many cliches in every sport. You know, Jason John comes to mind. He was the most cliche. He gives the most cliche answers. had 25 guys coming together as one. We're going to go out there and give it our all, all that. In boxing, there's many of them. So I checked the replies to Brendan Stubbs' tweet, and these are some of the ones, the better ones, is the most overused phrases in boxing today. Styles make fights. Uh, you hear that one all the time, and it usually covers up bad matchmaking. Uh, you don't play boxing. That's one of Floyd Mayweather's favorite ones. Hard work, dedication. If you want to go with Floyd Mayweather, Floyd has a, like 20 years worth of them. A draw is like kissing your sister. That's one I actually do like because I don't like kissing my sister. I'm talking about uh, after Canelo Triple G, I, I was just like, f- so like, ugh. I just felt like this. I got nothing after that. No feeling after it. I assume that's what it's like when you kiss your sister. Uh, I'm in the best shape of my life. Best shape of my life. We're getting closer to uh, spring training and baseball. That's something you hear from every player in spring training. And it's something you hear from every fighter in their fight camp. This is the best fight camp of my life. I'm in the best shape of my life. For once, I'd like to hear a fighter say, you know, I, I half-assed it. You know, Sergei Koval, I drank vodka every night. And, you know, I didn't fight at all. But you're not going to hear that. Uh, I'll fight whoever they put in front of me. That's when I hate in the ring. When you've got Max Kellerman or Jim Gray... Or Bernardo Osuna, or whoever your network is you're watching, and they go, you know, who who do you want next? Uh, You know, and they give you a bunch of names and clear fights that everyone wants. First of all, I got to thank Al Heyman. You know, I'll put anyone, whoever they put in front of me, you know, I'll fight. And that was something Pacquiao always did that annoyed us. Whenever, you know, he was scheduled to fight Mayweather, and it was like, just please call out Mayweather once. He would always say, I, you know, I have to get back, talk to Bob Adam, and we come up with a plan, I'll fight whoever. Uh, just, just stop saying they'll fight whoever they put in front of me. And uh, finally, of course, the most famous one it comes from the, the wise words of uh, Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Uh, I love those. But uh, finally, our final tweet, and uh, this one was a scary one. It came across the wire uh, this morning. Comes from Maura Ronaldo, the, the voice of Showtime Boxing. Uh, one of the hardest-working men in uh, the combat sports world tweeted out, please learn the Heimlich Maneuver. Frank Shamrock saved my life with it tonight with the uh, praying hands emoji. So we'll have to talk tomorrow this weekend at the Barclays Center for Spence uh, Peterson. Uh, we'll be uh, ringside for that. We'll talk tomorrow. Maybe he ch- choked and, and Frank Shamrock... Uh, Put him in a back belly-to-belly suplex. But Moro still with us, still tweeting. Moro and I will create Twitter follow. That's been Twitter hitters. Thank you, folks. Keeping the show rolling, our next guest here on Inside Boxing Live, former WBO junior welterweight champion of the world. He's a master boxer, master chef, the pride of Long Island, the one and only Chris Algieri. How you doing, Chris?
3: Pretty good, Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, let's play a game here. Uh, where in the world is Chris Algieri? Because every time I open up Instagram, I go to your story. You're at a beach. You're at a pool. You're swimming. You're catching some rays. So I sure as hell know you're not here freezing Long Island. No,
0: if you don't have to be, there's no reason to be in New York during the winter. So uh, I am currently down in South Florida.
1: See, I, I saw on BoxingScene.com that you've been hired by uh, Sullivan Barrera's camp, 170-pound, 170 175-pound contender, fighting Dimitri Bival. That's great to see that you're you're picking up these these gigs as a nutritionist. How is his camp going with uh, Sullivan Barrera?
0: Yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been a great camp so far with uh, with Sullivan and, and and his team. They're they're super solid. Um, you know, so far so good. You know, it's still pretty early in camp, but um, you know he, he's a he's a serious guy and he's he's taking this fight extremely extremely serious. You know, he, he's about to try and make his dream come true by being a world champion. So uh, he's giving it his all, and, and, and part of that was bringing me on.
1: Now, we saw you uh, with Danny Jacobs' camp, uh, thanks to the 24-7 cameras, and that's a great way to uh, get the audience in on what you've been doing with some of these fight camps, and uh, he brought you on as a nutritionist, same thing with Barrera's camp, but this is something you've been doing for a very long time, so why don't you tell our, our viewers at home what Chris Algieri brings to these camps from a nutrition standpoint?
0: Yeah, like you said, I've been doing this for a really long time. Uh, I have a master's degree degree in clinical nutrition, and, and I'm also a certified sports nutritionist uh, through the uh, International Society of Sports Nutrition. So this is something that I've been I've been working at, um, and and not only for my own career, but you know after after a little bit started working with a lot of other fighters, uh, mostly UFC guys, MMA guys, some some low level amateur boxer types. Uh, but now I'm starting to bring it to to the elite level in boxing, and it's. Uh, you know, it, it, it depends. It depends on how the how the athletes want to bring me on. It depends what their what their team. Um, is looking for but um, you know like my work with, with Jacobs is, is definitely very special um, I'm very involved in the team in terms of uh, not only his camp nutrition um, you know his day to day fueling but also um, as you know as we go through the camp with his conditioning his running um, some of his weight training some of, even his boxing stuff you know as you see those last two fights have actually been in the corner with, with the Jacobs team um, so that you know that role is uh, has, has certainly expanded over, over the last couple of fights
1: I mean, you read some of these quotes from, from Barrera. He said he's eating like he's never before, like never before. He's feeling great. He's feeling trim. Like, you know, try to take us through, like, an, an average day in the in the life of when you're with a Danny Jacobs or you're with a Sullivan Barrera. You know, you wake up. What are you doing for them? Like, what are you bringing to the table, uh, quite literally? <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, well, each athlete is, is really, really different in terms of how they uh, they go about their training camp, how they go about their nutrition. Uh, you know, I, I tell all these guys, at the level that I'm coming in at, you guys are all good. You're all high-level guys. You're all elite level. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel as soon as I come in. So I have to kind of uh, do a little research and development with, the, with, with each individual athlete, see what their, what their training schedule is like, see what their, their, their metabolic output is like, so that I can then construct uh, a perfect meal plan for them um so they're going to be properly feel for their workouts and they're going to make weight the right way um come come fight night so you know right now with with, with Sullivan you know we're, we're getting up really early we're up about 5 6 a.m every morning um you know we're on the track by seven we're putting in that work and um you know for the most part we eat light before that it's a pretty early workout um we get that out of the way and we come home have a, have a large breakfast get some rest um I've been posting all everything on my social media, so if you're curious about what what a world class athlete eats day to day, you can really just check out my my Instagram
1: stories. Dude, uh, your Instagram stories are wild. Every time I'm like at home and I'm at my apartment and I'm just sitting on the couch, and I, I'll pull up your Instagram and like pull up, go to your story and see like the most ridiculous like turkey burger or something like that, and like makes me feel like crap first of all, and then I go out to the grocery store and try to like recreate that. So. Fans at home, you gotta check out Chris Algieri on uh, on social media. It's crazy the, the food that you come up with, and I'm sure these fighters are like absolutely loving it.
0: Yeah, I mean Sullivan said he's like he, he's not used to eating so much, and, and he's actually lighter now than he normally is at the beginning of camp. I gotta feed the guy more to make sure that we're <laughs> we're maintaining his weight and, and being able to you know uh, be a big, strong, light light heavyweight.
1: Uh, you say you have a master's degree from uh, New York Tech? You're talking with a fellow bear right here, man.
0: There you go, man.
1: Not the most going on in that campus, but it really gives you a chance to lock in on your studies, though, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And you know, that was one of the reasons that I, that I chose that school. <laughs> um, you know, the, the program they had there was fantastic. I, I learned a lot. Kept a lot of uh, uh, good connections with, with my professors and students
1: alike. Yeah, and you also do a lot of great work with the Stony Brook Seawolves. I know they, they brought you on the football team uh, to, to lend your uh, IQ to them as well. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah, I've actually been consulting with the entire athletic department, working with all the teams. Um, do a lot of a, a lot of work with the football team, a lot of work with the, um, uh, the basketball team, the baseball team, um, the ladies' lacrosse team. You know, it's 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 great to work with such high level athletes from
1: so many different sports. Oh, it's wonderful, man. And uh, let's talk a little about your your boxing career, man. I know you want to get back into the ring. Uh, last we saw you, you shared a ring. Uh, with Errol Spence, who's fighting this weekend on Showtime against Lamont Peterson, I want to ask you, a guy that's been in the ring with an Errol Spence, what makes him so tough in there? You know, he's um, I mean, he's got the obviously he's got the
0: amateur pedigree. He's he's an extremely technical guy. Um, you know, from from his punch technique to his defense, you know, he's he's really solid in the technique department. But on top of that, he's he's a big, strong, athletic guy. Um, he's got a, a great way of of making the the ring that much smaller and making you fight his fight. And that's really what I think this fight is going to be about. Um, you know, you've got Lamont Peterson, who's another junior welterweight guy, coming up until 47 to 47 to where Spence is a um, particularly large welterweight. Um, you know, and, and uh, I see that Spence is going to look to make Lamont stand in front of him and fight.
1: Yeah, uh, how do you see this one playing out? I know Lamont likes to move, and you know Spence seems like he's more of a come forward type of fighter. I know he digs to the body. I don't know if you saw this on Instagram. Uh, Errol Spence, I was uh, Peterson was up on the at fight camp, and he he had his trainer just beating him to the body with the with the medicine ball. Do you see kind of playing out like that, where Peter, where Peterson's going to try to move a little more, and uh, you know Spence is going to stalk him out?
0: You know, I don't really know because uh, Peterson, he, he's hes a really, he's solid all around. You know, he can move, he can stand, he can walk right out, he, he can do the high guard defense, he can do a little slippery stuff. Um, it really depends on, on what he chooses to, a style to fight. Um, or it comes down to, you know, what he's going to be forced to fight. So, like I said, I think that Spence is going to try and get him to stand in front of him. Um, and who knows, Lamont might beat him right there. He might beat him in front of him and, and, and kind of go tick for tack um I, I don't know if that's the best game plan but you know, you never know when you're in there it's a, it's a completely different thing
1: talking out with chris Algieri, he's with uh Sullivan barrera's camp right now also i know you want to get back in the ring i saw you at gleason's gym at one of the, the workouts a few months ago obviously obviously in good shape uh you want to get going i saw you shadow boxing over there you, you know what's the latest on chris Algieri, the boxer
0: you know i've been uh, i've been really busy with these other camps but it's been again, a great opportunity for me to actually train and really work on my craft and Grace, uh, get some grace sparring. So, you know, 2018 is, is, is got to be the year I uh, I re-enter that squared circle, uh, get my career back on track, and uh, looking
1: to make a, a, another major run. Do you want to stay at 147? You looking to go to 140? What are you looking to do in terms of weight? You
0: no, know, I think ultimately 140 is, is is my place to be. That's my home. Um, I was an undefeated world champion there. I never lost my title. I was stripped. Um, you know, moving up to fight Pacquiao. And, uh, you know, there were, big, there were big fights and big opportunities at 47. So, you know, I slept there, you know, for those fights. But, I mean, ultimately, I think 140 is where I'm best served.
1: Now, you, you bring up Manny Pacquiao and just unbelievable uh, where your career took you to Macau. Do you ever, like, you know, you wake up in the morning or you're out, you know, traveling and just think, you know, I fought Manny Pacquiao. I went 12 rounds with Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, you
0: know. I really think about it like that, you know, I just kind of, uh, you know, when you're living it and you're in it, um, and I'm still very much in it. It's, uh, it's not something like that. Maybe one day I'll, I'll reminisce, um, think about all the things that are going on, but right now I'm just really just thinking ahead and I've got so many good things going on. Um, you know, I'm kind of focused on, on the moment.
1: All right, uh, talk about the, the current stable of Walter Weitz. I think Errol Spence is a fighter that's going to you know, really uh, turn it on in 2018. You were in the ring with uh, Amir Khan as well. Uh, Amir Khan just uh, signed a fight deal with uh, Matchroom Boxing. Out of the current stable of 147-pounders right now in the game, uh, who do you think is going to reign supreme in 2018?
0: You know, you've got um, you know, Thurman. I think he's coming off, off off the bench from being hurt. You know, you got Spence up there. Um, you know, Sean Porter's always there lurking, like, right,
1: you know, just below the top. Right. Um, you know, Khan coming back in. But, um, honestly,
0: I think the, the, oh, Kelbrook just moved out of the weight class. But I think, you know, right now you're looking at Sterman and Spence are the, are the two top dogs. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Who knows how long those guys will stay at Welderwit as well. So I, I think within even in the next year you can see those guys moving up. Um, you know, so you never really can tell the landscape of, of the boxing Uh, world changes
1: constantly that's for sure man i wanted to ask you something about the ufc and um i don't know how closely you you follow ufc i'm kind of like a fringe fan myself but i did see a lot about these drastic weight cuts that have been going on and i'm trying to figure out the pinpoint what exactly is causing them you know there's so many great fights that are being canceled in the ufc because of these weight cuts and you just don't see it that much in boxing Maybe I thought maybe you can shed some light on it. Why are so many of these fighters, you know, Uriah Hall almost had a he had a seizure and almost died because of his drastic What What is causing these fighters to uh, not make weight like this? Why are we seeing this so much in the UFC?
0: You know, it's, I work with a bunch of UFC fighters as well. Um, I'm actually uh, working the camp with uh, Vulcan Ozdemir. He's, he's fighting for the uh, heavyweight, uh, light heavyweight title versus uh, DC uh, January twentieth. Right. Um, you know, it's just a different philosophy and a different culture, you know, when it comes to cutting weight. A lot of the UFC guys or are, are MMA athletes come from wrestling backgrounds where they use a lot of drastic weight cut measures to, you know, to pull the weight, especially they wait to the last minute to do it. Um, guys are walking around 20, 30 pounds above their their weight division, um, cutting 15 to 20 pounds a couple of days before the fight. Um, you know, and so many of them do that and have that mentality that it's just a different culture, different philosophy about how they approach the, the weight cut. Also, it's a different sport. Uh, boxers can't do that because, um, Boxing is contested at such a higher level of speed, you know, reactions and speed is really important, and there's also a lot more kind of consistent output. So being being a bigger, heavier, plotting guy is not really going to help most boxers. Right. Uh, um, MMA is a little different. There's the ground, there's the whole ground component where size and, and weight um, and and just overall just strength is going to be extremely important as opposed to just being uh, explosive or quick. So it, there's a lot of reasons why you see this. Um, it is getting a little ridiculous when you got you know major fights that are that are literally getting called off because guys are injuring themselves to make the weight
1: well it's pretty clear that the ufc needs to bring in chris algeri
0: hey man guys are doing it individually in the private sector but maybe maybe there's there's a need for more of a, a global strategy on, on how to go about this
1: no is it because i know that the wbc and a lot of other these other organizations they have like a 30-day check-in like where you see a picture of like you know golovkin on the scale you know 30 30 days before his canelo fight coming in at like you know say a 170 does the ufc not have that
0: um, I don't think they have anything um, structured in place like that, but honestly, it's not going to matter. The guys are just going to wait for that for that that weigh in too. You know, they'll they'll dehydrate themselves and they'll they'll skip dinner and they'll skip breakfast. and Then they'll sweat out the last you know six seven pounds just to make the thirty day weigh in. So it, it really you can't you can't really go um, based on that. Um, it's just it just that has to be a, a, a paradigm shift about um, the whole whole mentality of of weight cuts and. and had to go about it. I'm not exactly sure how to do it systemically, but, um, you know, it, it's definitely needed.
1: Yeah, if there's one guy that knows about weight cutting and the nutrition, it's Chris Algieri. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Get back to the the beach, the pool, the championship lifestyle. I love it, man. And uh, so what do you got going on for the rest of the day? Uh,
0: about to hit the boxing gym now. Uh, I'm going to get my work in before, you know, Sullivan has his, his training in the afternoon.
1: Uh, we ran this morning. And uh, now we're just kind of relaxing between sessions, getting getting ready to go back to work. That's wonderful stuff, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you back in the ring. If not, we'll uh, we'll keep talking to you here on Inside Boxing Live. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, right. man. No Appreciate problem. It. No problem, man. Chris Algieri. There he is. Master boxer and master chef. The guy's got a lot going on. It's great to see a guy like him who you know started off as a kickboxer. Uh, 20-0 kickboxing champion. Then he moved over to boxing. Uh, we saw what he did, stayed undefeated in boxing, and and he fought Ruslan Provodnikov, I mean, in a fight that no one gave him credit for, or no one gave him a chance for, I was ringside for that fight, you know, took some punishment early on, did the smart thing, as we know with Chris Autry, very smart guy, took the smart thing, which a lot of fighters should do more often, taking a knee there, ultimately went back, Beats on Provodnikov, which sets him up for a fight with Manny Pacquiao. I mean, the guy took his career, or he's still in the process of his career, but he's getting everything he possibly can out of his career. And now look at the work he's doing on the nutrition side uh, with uh, Danny Jacobs, Sullivan Barrera, And I have a feeling that a lot more fighters are going to be hiring Chris Algieri to be part of their fight camp. So shout out to Chris Algieri and uh, Kevin Rooney for uh, getting this interview set up for us uh, here on Inside Boxing Live. All right, we're going to end today's show like we end every show here on Inside Boxing Live, and that's with our good hook of the week. Uh, We like to end the show on a positive note. Believe it or not, there are positive stories in the world of boxing. We go to the heavyweight division. Deontay Wilder uh, recently visits the Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, These pictures were posted on the the PBC Instagram, uh, all their social media you know, you're not just the heavyweight champion of the world, you're the champion of the people. Uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, if you get a chance to, to talk to him, he's a great guy. He's got a big heart. Uh, you know, he comes off as a menacing uh, heavyweight, but uh, good for him going to the—visiting the children's hospital, one of the, be- the best children's hospitals in the country over in Memphis, Tennessee. He spent the day uh, visiting with children, brought his belt— a lot of photo ops, and, and, and just uh, overall li- lifting the spirits of these young kids as they bounce back from various illnesses. So great job out of you, uh, Deontay Wilder and all the people over at PBC. Uh, we actually have uh, two recipients of the Good Hook of the Week uh, here on Inside Boxing Lives: Deontay Wilder and it's Jeff Horn. Uh, Jeff Horn is going to start an anti-bullying campaign in Australia after the tragic suicide death of uh, teenager Amy Everett, which has uh, shooken up uh, the country of Australia. You see Amy Everett on the right. Um, A lot of bullying happens here in the States. We highlighted some of that here on Inside Boxing Live with the the young boy uh, that went viral. And uh, it's it's a worldwide epidemic now, and uh, it's disgusting, uh, quite frankly, and it starts uh, with many reasons why uh, bullying happens. We won't get into that here. But Jeff Horn was a victim of bullying himself as a kid. And uh, he saw this story, and he said, "You know what? I'm gonna um, I'm gonna start this. I'm gonna be the face of anti-bullying in Australia." Jeff Horn is probably one of the most famous people uh, in Australia today. Uh, after his win over uh, Manny Pacquiao, he was a victim of bullying as a kid, and uh, this brings. When I think of this of, of Jeff Horn doing this, and I know everyone likes to get on Jeff Horn uh, as a, as a professional uh, boxer because uh, of his controversial win over Pacquiao. And uh, some of the quotes that come out of his camp, you know, challenging McGregor and some of the crazy things that come out of his camp. But uh, he's a a good person and uh, he's using his platform as a uh, world champion to do better uh, in the world. And it makes me think of a world champion from a few years back, one of my favorite fighters, um, Sergio Martinez. And Sergio was a great person outside the ring. Talk to Ludabella about Sergio Martinez and he'll tell you that he's a close friend. Not just someone I work with, and Sergio always said that being a world champion is more than just in the ring. You're you're a champion for all the people, and a lot of times, as a true champion in my eyes, they take up a cause and they become uh, you know an advocate for it. And for for Sergio Martinez, his was bullying as well. He did so much work uh, with, with kids in, in his in his home uh, country and here in, in the states, helping uh, ant- the anti-bullying cause. So good on Jeff Horn. Uh, For taking up this initiative and trying to stop uh, the bullying epidemic as uh, it rears its ugly head, even all the way in Australia. So, great job out of Deontay Wilder. Great job out of Jeff Horn, the good hook of the week. Uh, Closing out the show today, it was a jam packed show. It was very entertaining. I hope uh, you guys all enjoyed it out there. We got to thank our guests. We got to thank Brian Campbell. We got to thank the one and only Chris Algieri. We've got to thank Al Foreign for calling in all the way from uh, Ireland, making us crack up here on the set. Great job from our producer, uh, Nick Canobio, executive producer. Uh, Bob Canobio, it's Fight Week, Spence Peterson Fight Week. Check us out, box, social media on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We're going to be covering Spence uh, Peterson thoroughly. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another episode of Inside Boxing Live. Dan Canobio signing off, everybody.